Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined again today by Dr. Matthew Zanis and Dr. Matthew Perry to continue our conversations about debunking the myths that we have around training and performance. If you have not listened to the previous episodes, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those once you are finished with this one. On this one today, we ended up going a different direction than what we intended to go, but is a very entertaining and informative conversation. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Dr. Zanis and Dr. Dr. Perry, thank you for joining me again today. How are you guys? Doing great. It's a beautiful <laughs> Wednesday morning here in Arizona. <laughs> yes, San Diego, it is nice as well. We got those Santa Ana winds and stuff, so it's warming everything up. Very nice. We're really, we're really doing the weather stick, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> It's better than some other things you could talk about small talk wise. Yeah, (laughs) that's for damn sure. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm excited. We have all three on today again. We missed Matthew Zanis last time, Um, but we are continuing the myth conversation Um, today, getting into some other topics. Primarily, we'll just go ahead and dive in. If you haven't listened to the other two, definitely go back to those and you can also find out who these people are that I'm talking with, Dr. Zanis and Dr. Perry. Um, So let's dive into the first one, which I know all three of us um, have a conversation frequently about. And that's you only need to see, like you should only see a PT or only need to see a PT when you are injured. Ah, that one. (laughs) That one. (laughs) So oh, there's what was that? Go ahead, Matt. I'm saying there's just so many different facets to this. this yeah, could, this absolutely. could take us a whole couple of hours. So you want to come and see a PT after you have already broken something or something is already torn. Yeah. Um I don't know about that. <laughs> uh <laughs> you know, the the idea, because you know, mo- most most injuries we have you know, have had symptoms and signs for a long time, right? Um, My shoulder kind of aches when I do this, but, you know, I'll just push through it, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, how about instead of being rehabilitative, we be preventative in our injuries from ever occurring, right? You know, we can't promise that no injuries will ever happen. (laughs) But, you know, instead of uh, it already being a torn something, you know, herniated something, whatever the case is, you know, let's, let's get you in early. Right. And, uh, and prevent that from ever happening. That's kind of my two cents. I know we can probably go a long time on that, but. Uh, yeah, you, you actually brought up a really good point there is that why wait until something is like really seriously wrong with you to where you can't walk, right. You can't take your arm overhead. You can't bend over to pick up a toy or something like that. Um, I think that this is where, we have to talk about like the real role of PTs and strength coaches and everything in our, in our you know, allied health professions here is um, education. Right. And I think that there are a lot of people who are just so distracted by literally everything going on in the world, like, you know, face down in the phones on the screens and they're banging their head against the wall in the weight room or out in the field and whatnot for whatever goal that they have. 
but what they do is lose sight of what's going on inside their body. Stop listening and understanding to what's going on inside of our body because, you know, there are, are many, many things that our brain will start telling us early on. And if we're keen enough and aware enough to actually listen to it, we can actually prevent uh, a lot of these disastrous injuries from occurring or from chronic pain states from um, catalyzing and stuff like that. The term I like to use called introspection, right? So it's, are you actually listening to what's going on inside the body? Can you actually be aware of your breath? Like, are you aware of the sensations that you're feeling? Because everything that we feel, in my opinion, is just information. Like our body's just, the brain just telling us something about our body. But if we're not listening to it, then we're not, <laughs> we're not holding up our end of the bargain, so to speak. So that when we get hurt or in pain, we all of a sudden blame our body. But our brain's like, motherfucker, we were just, I was just telling you that there was something going on and you didn't listen. So it's your own damn fault. <laughs> awesome. Sorry, explicit, explicit tag. I apologize. <laughs> we're all good. I find it fascinating too that it's like from a young age, it's ingrained in us to go to the dentist once or twice a year. From like mid 20s, it's ingrained in us as males and females that we go for our like routine checkups for the necessary things. But for whatever, <laughs> like, how do I? What are those necessary things? I don't know what the necessary <laughs> things are. I haven't seen it anybody for a checkup. <laughs> <laughs> but for whatever reason, like the whole process of how our body actually moves and functions is overlooked in our general health. <laughs> it's crazy. Totally, totally agree. Like that, it, there should be like a, a dental model around it. I think, and that's something that's been on my radar now for. Um, a number of years, like there should be, and, and I don't think it needs necessarily be only with cash-based practitioners, uh, but I think the insurance model could adopt this where they do actually give you visits like two or three a year for a checkup. Yeah. And I, I still, I still routinely have a handful of clients that really have nothing wrong with them. They just come and see me every couple of months just mm -hmm. to see how their body's yeah. moving. And I think that is like really, really intelligent <laughs> because there are things that we can pick up on. Like um, we're all not immune to some type of trauma in life, right? We all have our own bag of shit that we're dealing with. We've all been through different physical traumas. If you played sports growing up or had accidents as a kid or experienced some type of emotional or psychological trauma, the brain really doesn't perceive it any differently. It's still trauma. And we end up creating these dysfunctions around that trauma that we often know as compensation patterns, right? And these compensation patterns, I think, are they're necessary in the moment, right? You sprain your ankle, you're going to offload it. That's an appropriate response. It's when they carry on or it's when we're not listening, we're not aware of what's going on, they become a problem. And that's when we start to lead into these things like accelerated stress or tissue damage to specific joints that show up as flare-ups. Like how I many people have you heard of who have flare-ups every couple of weeks or every couple of months and or repetitive strain states. And the body's only left with one of two options at that point. The brain is either going to allow you to injure yourself. That goes back to the whole introspection side of things like ego. Sorry, Matt, like we're boys. We tend to have a bigger problem with this than women. We'll take our head and bust it through a wall despite our body. Or you create new compensation patterns, the offset, the old ones. But either way, you keep going around and around and around in this vicious cycle, which is why we have... Um, I think such a high incidence of, of pain states and injury, like we're still no better at treating this shit like than we were decades ago. 
so are we really on the right track? Like shoulder injuries are still on the rise. ACL tears are still on the rise. Low back pain. We're not making a fucking dent in that. So are we really doing the right things? Right. It's, and that's, I think that irritates me from a PT model when I see PTs offering like packages on like, come get your, <laughs> your weekly tune up type thing. It's like, we're just putting band-aids and masking this shit um, and never really getting to the root cause of anything. Cause we haven't taught the person how to listen to their body. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's behavior change, you know, as well as all the other good stuff of movement correction and all that kind of stuff. You know, these people in these chronic pain states, you know, we found that, you know, the, there's a bigger imprint, you know, in their brain from, you know, uh, the, the affected, the affected tissue versus some of the other areas, like, you know, um, on our, on our motor and sensory, uh, homunculus. Right. And so when that imprint is, or when, when you are in a chronic pain state and you keep going for, you know, weeks and months and years of this stuff, you have a bigger imprint on your brain, right? You know, um, I know it's kind of some complicated stuff or whatever, but, you know, um, it, what ends up happening is now our, we have a smaller stimulus that can evoke a bigger response to these pains, right? And it's, you know, Again, you know, it's kind of just going back. Why don't we try to make make these strides to correct these dysfunctions before they become horrible, horrible things for us and all of these psychological, physical, you know, um, um, and emotional responses, right? I know that's a mouthful. <laughs> no, I, I think that happens. Like, like you said, the body or the brain gets these imprints. So, like, and it's amazing how almost bad habits are picked up so much faster by the body and bad patterns than good ones. Cause like you get injured, you start changing how you move. That movement becomes normal quote unquote to the body. And that's how you just continue moving. Whereas to retrain a good pattern, like how long does that take with people? Well, <laughs> I, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you brought up Brianne, you brought up a really good point there. Cause uh, inherently humans, we are very, very lazy creatures. Like we're always going to take the path of least resistance, mm -hmm. the, the pattern that requires the least amount of energy. And that's, I mean, that's genetically ingrained in us survival. for a lot of uh, evolutionary, exactly for survival. Um, and then when you take somebody and you teach them something new about their body or a different way to move, it's really fucking uncomfortable. It really, really is. And I think it's, it's just because you move them away from that sense enormously that you just described, Brianne, and uh, they don't feel like it's right, right? So they don't feel like it's the way that they should be moving. Um, when in, and there could be a whole conversation about should and shouldn't with movement there, but um, they kind of, they, they think that it is the wrong way because it doesn't feel right, doesn't feel comfortable for them. And I, I think that we need to start encouraging people to move outside their comfort bubble, comfort bubble more and do more exploration and actually get a lot more variety of movement in to give the body at least other options <laughs> to work in. And I think of this almost like a pendulum swinging, right? So if people are swinging on one end of the left side of the pendulum, that's all they know. And our job as coaches and as rehabilitation providers is to expose them to the other end of the spectrum allow them the opportunities to work there, give them permission to work in that area. And then that pendulum can swing like a, a wider breath and has more of an arc. And then eventually the pendulum will start to rest in the middle. 
but you're right. Like, I don't think there's a, a set timeline to this, Brianna. I think it's just, it's all dependent on the individual. And then ironically, I just had um, someone ask me how long it's going to take me to get into these split positions. I've been working at it for like a year and a half now. And I'm like, um, three, four, six months. I don't know. It all depends how my body responds to the new stimuli that I'm putting on it. And I, I can't control that. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> Never it's all individualized. Happens. Whatever happens, happens along the way, but it's, it's the commitment to the consistency that matters. Right. So that's where it's like, you know, you educate somebody about how the body naturally responds to things. And I think that does a couple of different things. Number one, it breaks down the fear response. You're not afraid of moving in these quote unquote uncomfortable positions, but then it gives them a better understanding of it. So they're more likely to stay compliant with a lot of stuff that you're giving them, including all this exploration. Sorry, that was a mouthful. <laughs> no, that was good. Yeah, we, all, yeah. we all clearly had our coffee today. <laughs> still drinking mine. Still, still yeah. going after it right now. Still going after my right highly now. logical mug. Thank you very much. Ooh, I have a mug that says, uh, wake the fuck up. I should have used that one this morning because it is. Ooh, I like it. It was, it was <laughs> earlier. Um, but the, the you in fuck is a lightning bolt. So it's kind of oh, nice. <laughs> Ooh, strong, strong coffee spot for sure. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Anyway, uh, <laughs> get nothing from them. <laughs> but I, I, listen, I, I think at the, at the end of the day, like we are all coaches, right? Cause a coach to me is anybody who wants to help somebody move towards a specific goal and coaches are typically thought of as in the weight room, helping people with movement. Well, what the fuck do PTs do that? PTs do that. Like we're, we're moving professionals. We're supposed to be. Um, so if you want to be a good coach, we want to call ourselves the masters of movement. You still have to understand movement and be able to educate people on this as well. So I think that's, that's kind of like the root cause. I mean, at least in my mind of all this, because I think the original question was why do people not go see PTs earlier? And I think there's a, there's a messaging problem with it there. Yeah right? Like they don't view us as preventative in nature. And a prime example, like I saw um, a coach buddy of mine who put out an ACL prevention course, ACL prevention course. And I thought it was beautiful, man. I edited the whole thing for like uh, audited the whole thing, edited for him, audited the whole thing for him. They went to sell it. I think they sold like 10 of them. And I was just like, man, really? Like people really don't care about this stuff. They want to know what happens after the fact. Like how do you rehab? for an ACL, right? And I think I think that's eye-opening, man. Like that is a problem in our industry as well. So, no. And I think it comes a lot of it comes down to messaging, and I haven't yet figured out that message. But because people don't really care about prevention, but they do care about like being able to function. So it's I think some of it's like finding that like <laughs> message standpoint on how to really like get this word out. Well, what do you, what do you think that the, like, okay. So if people have a mental representation of like exercise or strength change uh, training, what do you think that the link is between what we do and the physical exercise or the strength training? Because that seems like the gap that you have to bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the coaching comes in, right? You know, we are more than, yeah. you know, your quote unquote traditional physical therapists, right? You know, we can do so much more instead of working on just the knee. Let's work on the adjacent structures. Right. Um, let's work up the chain. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think um, you hit the nail on the head with that, that coaching perspective. 
and you know um i think us spreading the good word is a good uh not a bad thing as well right <laughs> <laughs> definitely not so oh man i'm still kind of on this thing it's like a, it's like a dog chewing on a bone i can't get off of it so to speak but it, what do you think that pts know or really don't know about exercise and strength and conditioning because in my perspective like you see a lot of with the advent of crossfit these days or from since 2008 whenever that shit started and actually more recently like 2015 2016 a lot of pts are getting in to the crossfit space i mean i started my own practice out of a crossfit gym back in 2015 um but I think that it's it, the CrossFit methodology of strength conditioning is really all that they know. And correct me if I'm wrong, like, that's just you know, my perspective on it. So is there, <laughs> is there a PT CrossFit cult, so to speak, um, where now clients only view the PTs that are in that space as the strength conditioning professionals? Once again, coming back to our messaging topic here, and does that skew then their perception of what it is that we can do. Now let's take a quick break to talk about Equip Foods. Equip Foods is a supplement line, but what I really love about them is their products are made with 100% real food products. There's no fillers, there's no chemicals, there's nothing artificial in it. So everything that you are putting into your body when you consume their products is good for you. And they don't just have the normal protein and pre-workout type supplements. They also have products for decreasing inflammation, for joint health, for circulation, for all sorts of things that just help you be an overall healthier person. So go check out everything Equip Foods has to offer at equip, E-Q-U-I-P, foods.com. And at checkout, if you use code F-I-X, 15, that is F-I-X-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. You can also get a link to Equip Foods and all my other partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation. You know, what triggers in my head as you say that is, so I've actually gone into clinics and taught PTs how to teach a deadlift and a squat before. So like, there's this disconnect on movement patterns. And when I think about it, it's like, think about PT school. We learned manual muscle testing. We learned like exercise, how to actually like strengthen, how to isolate a muscle and to strengthen. It wasn't until more recently with CrossFit and functional movement that all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe we need to be training people in a functional movement pattern. And there's this disconnect of all these therapists who really don't know how to do that. And then there's these other groups and like ourselves included, who's like, we understand how the body moves and how it works together in order to actually function better. And then, sorry, Matt, are you going to say something? No, 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 go for it, Matt. I like. This. I was going to say like, does then the limiting fact, doesn't that being a squat though? Like, is that the extent of it or does it go deeper? You know, because I mean, I can get, so what, what defines this then? Because I can go get a couple strength coaches that know how to teach squat and deadlift better than anybody, but do you have to be a PT to have to actually have to teach those movements? What else sets us apart? You know, and I, I think that, 
I, I mean, for me, I think it comes down into this process of like breaking things down and rebuilding people. Like you have to have an eye for where people are actually limited and where these compensation patterns are occurring. Mm-hmm. Are they stress limiting? Are they completely like, is, is it from this trauma where these compensation patterns are just so obvious and the, the peer person just doesn't even know about it? Like they're essentially stuck in this rut that they can't get out of because I think doing more and more of the same thing over and over again doesn't really get people better. And what I mean by that is like, okay, we have somebody who has back pain with deadlifting and is teaching them how to deadlift better going to be the solution because you can put all these coaching cues out there. You could build load tolerance to the back over time. I mean, naturally we know that these things do go away over time, regardless of what the fuck that we do to them anyway. So is that really, really helping anybody? So I, I do kind of, I do kind of see what you're getting at, um, yeah. you know, with that. And so it's the interesting perspective, you know, is PT kind of a tool or a hat that we kind of put on and take off, right? Okay. You know, um, or are we like doing PT on everybody? You, you, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and so our ability to break down these very, very complex movement patterns, how someone is hip hinging, you know, arch support, you know, um, you know, internal arch support, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. I know you guys love, you know, that is re-correcting and reestablishing movement mm-hmm. patterns comprehensively as opposed to, oh, well, now this person can deadlift when this person couldn't anymore, right? It's like now in any situation, which is what I try to preach with my patients is, you know, as long as you are, you know, kind of have your, your, as long as you have your arch, arches raised, you know, your abs braced, glutes engaged, shoulders down and back, like you can do anything. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you can't leave tall buildings in a single bound, but, but you, you can, you can pretty much, uh, you know, do anything that you want or need functionally. Mm-hmm. So, so does, so does talking about bar position and bracing in the back squat or deadlift mean really anything if you don't understand how the body and the brain are actually communicating with each other though too like absolutely for, if like for, for like for me if okay let's just say somebody is you know they had hurt their back with squatting or deadlifting and you teach them regressions right so we take you back to like a pvc pipe or we do like a kettlebell hip hinge or we go to some single leg stuff like, is that enough? Is that sufficient enough to say that we rehab that individual? Or do we just regress them, take the stress off, and then they go back into it and their load tolerance is increased. But then what happens when they go back up to right where, they be, where they began in the first place and we cross that threshold? Yeah, right. See down. what I mean? Yeah. Versus having the insights and the awareness to, well, one, communicate to that individual what it is that they're feeling and why they're feeling it, like that whole introspection thing. But then also, are you looking at the body and breaking it down enough to understand where they're limited at? Cause like, let's just say you have one foot, like you're just talking about the arches. What if you have one foot that's flatter than the other? And now that's putting a twist or a spin in the hips. And oh, it just so happens to be the right side of the body. They always get their back pain on deadlifting. Well, if you never fucking change the structure of how it's impacting the ground, how could you ever expect the function to change? Yeah. All right. I think that's the stuff that I get kind of most irritated about. It's like, it doesn't matter what the fuck we do. Just go deadlift, go squat. It doesn't matter. Just load it up. More movement's better. Mm. Well, I think then that comes down to like, are you actually distinguishing movement and exercise? Mm. Because two completely different paradigms, like exercise to me is more about the heart and exercise in the heart and the metabolic systems. Movement is 
movement with a capital M, meaning understand how the body is actually integrating with your environment and how it's moving through the environment that does not include what's going on internally, especially, uh, especially with the organs and all that. Structurally, I think that that has a role to play. Like I think Katie Bowman's term of we're the most physically fit we've ever been, we're the most biologically unwell is very, very true. I think oh, yeah. that you can get people very, very physically fit despite what's going on inside their body. And inside their body, I mean like joint wear and tear. Well, because we really don't have any long-term data on this shit. All the physical fitness stuff, uh, and I'm specifically speaking about like the ad, like all of this training and, and CrossFit and all that and dynamic movement where people really haven't earned the right to do dynamic movement, but that's a whole other, <laughs> <laughs> whole other box of worms to open up. <laughs> I did not expect this conversation to go here, but I like it. To I go this way, right? <laughs> I, I, I had another question of kind of a, um, yeah. along the same lines. So would you guys think that where we talk about exercise traditionally, we are talking about maybe strength, strength, strengthening, you know, a system, um, whatever the case is. But when we're talking about movement, we're talking more about, and this is a really broad term, coordination mm -hmm. and coordinating things. Um, you know, it, it kind of got me thinking, right? You know, as as traditional or not us, but you know, as tra uh, traditional, you know, physical therapists would say, the we are so quick to point out weakness. Your mm -hmm. glutes are weak. Everyone's glutes are weak now. All of a sudden, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you know what I mean. Got, am got amnesia. Hey, yeah, the gluteal <laughs> amnesia. There we go. Right. <laughs> oh, core strength. You know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying there's not times and places maybe for that, but much less than what I think we diagnose it as. Right. Um, and so I don't know if we took like you know an EMG probe or whatever and put it into the glute med. You know, would you know? Would it be smaller? You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> Sidewise, you know, and cross-sectional area and all that kind of stuff. You know, or is it that, you know, we do need to improve coordination with how that glute med or whatever is talking to the brain, right? Going obviously up and down the chain. You well, know? maybe, right? Like the, the cross-sectional area or the EMG output could be differently, different. I, I think that that's totally uh, possible. But once again, what's a deeper question? Why? Why, Why is it different? Right. And what in what movement patterns or the way that their body is functioning from a motor control standpoint, like you just alluded to, is causing that muscle to be underdeveloped or under firing compared to the opposite side. That that's where we need to be able to dive deeper into it and actually understand what we're seeing um, with it, because I, I think that it comes down to what we can measure. And because we can't measure the qualitative side of things, it's tough for people to understand. It doesn't mean that it's not important, though. Like we have all these physiological tests. We can measure, measure strength. We can measure everything going on cardiovascular inside the body with, you know, heart rate and blood pressure and blood sugars and stuff like that. I mean, what do people prioritize then? Aesthetics. We think that if we have a six pack and we look like we fucking exercise, then we're good. But that's way too superficial and, you know, pun intended with that, um, than actually understanding on a deeper level, this more qualitative side of things that we cannot measure, which is the kinesthetic, which is the movement skill side of things that you were just talking about, the motor control, how that body is actually interacting with the environment, how the nervous system is reading the environment. Um, 
uh, it's just, it's, it's a tough, I think it's a tough pill to swallow because it is so difficult um, to really understand. Like we can understand the physical appearance, the hierarchy is kind of skewed, but we can't see the joint structure and the wear and tear that's going on. And people, you know, they don't feel it right away either. It could take a little while for those tissues to become sensitized. And I think like a really great example, and this is another side tangent. So thanks Matt for bringing this one up on me. Um, <laughs> the fact that people need to feel something working, like feeling a glute working to think that they're getting out of the movement or the exercise that they're getting out of it. It's just, it, it's, it's fucking mind boggling to me. Like, and a great example are the glutes. Like I, I could sure as hell make your glutes fire by putting you into a glute bridge and just having you contract from an already shortened position. Oh. I mean, that's really easy to do, but are you actually getting anything out of it? You're essentially just pissing off your nervous system even more because you're just making the muscle contract in an already shortened position. Your brain's like, we don't like to work from here. But once again, you could build the tolerance up to that. And all of a sudden it shows quote unquote progression. What the fuck are you actually progression, progressing in? It's the same argument of why we say stretching's bad because you're not actually getting any length out of your hamstrings when you sit on the floor and fold forward. You're just improving your brain's tolerance to that load. It's the same shit. Why are we not applying it to both realms? We think that because it's quote unquote strength training that it's somehow different, that the nervous system reacts differently to this. Once again, you never change the fucking structure, which means you're never going to change the function. And I went off on somebody and I normally don't do this on the Instagram stuff. I try to keep neutral with all this stuff. Uh, but it, it just got irritated because Brianne, you know, one of my favorite moves is like a curtsy lunge. Like I love that type of thing just yeah. because when, if you get allow the foot to pronate and the tibia internally rotates, the femur internally rotates, you get the glue into a nice stretch and you force it to contract from a lengthened position in a quote unquote functional way. I think it's great. But when you go ahead and bastardize it, I kind of have a problem with that. Meaning there's this one woman who remained unnamed who was trying to coach it from the standpoint of keeping your trunk completely upright, swinging your leg around and only pushing through your heel and keeping your shin completely vertical because you're going to feel and word for word, you are going to feel it in the glutes. Well, yes, of course you will because it's shortened already. Like what, what are we trying to do here? And mind, mind you then it's only shortened or it's only lengthening in one plane, the sides are plane, you're getting some hip flexion, but you're not getting any adduction or internal rotation. So you're just completely <laughs> short-circuiting all the fibers that are lining up in the sagittal plane, despite the other ones that are lining up in the frontal or the transverse plane. So going back to your EMG and your cross-sectional area, well, no shit. If we took an EMG and cross-sectional area of those fibers that are lined up and oriented and penated in the transverse and frontal planes, guess what? they're probably going to have a smaller cross-sectional area and a lower EMG output. Yeah. Does it, I mean, am I fucking taking crazy pills here? <laughs> but, <laughs> but because, but because you drove through the heel and you felt the fucking glute engage and burn and build up lactic acid in it, it's good. It's okay. <laughs> and then my comment, I, I did it very, very nicely. Like my, my intent was to start a conversation. Like all this stuff should be very Socratic in nature. We should be having, able to have a round table discussion and discuss different points of view. I opened up the door with questions. My comment just got deleted. I reached out. Her response was, that's not how the exercise was intended. I'm like, okay, so great. So now we just kind of put a roadblock up and you can't even have a conversation. It's not even worth it at that point, right? Yeah. 
versus we could have a, a discussion here and with the intention of nobody being, nobody being right or wrong, just trying to find truth <laughs> in the matter of everything. Um, I, just get, I, I just get fired up about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, it all depends. And, you know, I didn't see that post or anything like that. But who knows? Maybe that clinician or whoever it was was trying to teach their client to be a uh, professional curtsy lender. In that case... <laughs> It's then functional, right? <laughs> okay, then, then conversation about the standard of what the fuck's a curtsy lunge then, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> or, 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 or hold that glute bridge for, you know, and, three hours. You can be a professional glute bridger. <laughs> and and I, will, I, will, I will give you a little bit more context to this as well, Matt. It had to do with a bodybuilding kind of physique-oriented goal. So, of course, I mean, I know I've been there. That was one of my past. I did the whole aesthetics to physique thing. And guess what? You do associate, if you don't know any better, that burning sensation with taking the muscle to failure and getting a hypertrophic effect from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But once again, just because we're hypertrophizing, is that a word? I'm going to make that one up and kind of own that one. <laughs> Hypertrophying, there, there's another, fr another phrase of it, um, that specific fibers of the glute is that really what we're after yeah sure right yeah but and but that's what i mean like i'll ask a question like what our yeah. bodybuilders are about well symmetry well wouldn't you want all the muscle fibers to be activated and what you want then then to be even side to side for symmetry for the judges and then wouldn't you want to get more muscle fibers activated to grow them bigger you see what i mean like there's yeah. what's the purpose of, of uh, what's the purpose yeah, there, there's no good or bad exercise. It's all context, right? No, it's all context oriented. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So. I think that's a good point. I'll wow. you want to kind of offshoot to in our last little five minutes here is that yeah. like, obviously I have my videos on YouTube because it's easy to give to clients, but um, yep. at the same time, I bash people like for putting videos on YouTube and people just like, or sorry, I don't bash people for putting videos on YouTube. It's the ones who like, just like do a search for like exercises for knee pain and just like yeah. generate yeah. these five exercises and that's what they're going to do. And like, we have to remember as athletes that exercises have a purpose. And just because this exercise works for knee pain because it addresses one certain thing, it doesn't mean that's your issue and that's going to work for you. And that like... I think it's just so important to remember that exercises all have a purpose and you really need to like understand that purpose if you're going to incorporate it into something you're doing. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that that comes back to our original talking points here, Brianne is being able to break the body down into its component parts and figure this shit out because if somebody asked me, I mean, and th this is kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing now with all this like split training and stuff like that. Cause it's, well, it's a new task oriented goal for me. And I've got like ADD with movement. So, but if somebody were to come to ask me like, okay, well, what mode of movement do you want to do? I would want to look at what parts of my body aren't really moving well and then attack those. Like I knew in my own body that I didn't go very wet far in the frontal plane. Like my hips didn't do that. I was a baseball catcher for 16 years. I was in a very, very specific athletic position. Okay. My knees didn't go very far over my toes when I squatted. I wanted to be able to fix that. And I think that if we keep that mindset, 
that will be able to help a lot more people for the long term. And this is a longevity game. Like most people that we're honestly seeing between the three of us are in the 20s to 40 range. So this first half of life, like there's so many years of good living left to have. Like, why would you not want to optimize that? And like, listen, I get it. Exercise, the fitness stuff is great. And it has some great metabolic um, benefits to it and everything to a certain extent. But then we see this a lot of nervous system burnout. Like people are really fucking sympathetic, really driven and can't break free of it. And I'm sorry, but like your 600 pound, pound deadlift and your sub three minute friend doesn't mean shit to me if you can't move well when you're 40. Yeah. Like I, I really don't care. What, what are we doing chasing all these numbers, performance goals? Like, yes, if you're actually competing and stuff like that, that has a time and a place. But let's understand the other side of the coin and be able to take a shot at this so we don't end up spending, I mean, I don't even know what the, the statistic on it is anymore. Um, it's it's got to be in the billions of dollars on healthcare expenses for orthopedic issues later on. You know? Yeah. Well, competing or not, that, the better you move, the better you'll perform regardless. Ex- well, exactly. But, Brianne, but this is, it's, it takes too fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> truth <laughs> right it does i know i i had fucking goals to get to a uh, 600 pound deadlift and i i busted my ass just to get there and fucked myself up along the way yeah that happened really fast <laughs> well well yeah, uh, i mean in 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 all actuality you know most people given the amount right amount of uh internal endorphins will say um, <laughs> that's a great way to put it by the way <laughs> <laughs> you know like we, we we all could lift you know whatever 700 pounds you know even you know yeah. even my grandmother who's 95 pounds you know what I'm saying uh, but it's like what's the purpose and why and is that going to get in us anywhere again you know like you were saying you know for the event heck yeah crush yourself mm-hmm. do whatever you need to do to complete it but you shouldn't be doing that in your training all the time, um, if ever. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so. There's this little thing called intelligent program design that actually comes into play, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it, it's this little thing called periodization. No matter what way you look at it, it kind of works. Yeah. Kind of. Sure does. Um, there's, there's these few little principles that we know in life. And, and one of them are these foundational principles in strength conditioning. It's like, we know how the body responds. Can we yeah. please just take it into consideration every once in a while, like throw me a bone here. Yeah, and, and speaking to, <laughs> to, to your point, you know, uh, initial point, Graham, with this, you know, is that now why are we as a profession, um, not us who do a lot of individualized patient programming, but as a profession, mm-hmm. why are we giving every single person with knee pain, three sets of 10 clamshells. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, why are we giving clamshells anyway? Let's, let's just start there. Because you can get those frontal plane glute fibers, Brianne. <laughs> oh yeah, the glute fibers, exactly. Wake up with gluteal amnesia and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can feel it burn too. <laughs> that you can. There, there we go. So it must that, be working. It's that's working at full circle. <laughs> oh, God. oh my gosh! We could awesome. talk about this for hours. Right. All right, guys. Well, I know we all oh. have clients to get to, so we will have to cut this off now. Um, but we can definitely have another conversation in the future again. I absolutely love to. Yes, awesome. I love, love talking with y'all. 
and uh, you know, debunking some of this stuff. I think the public needs to hear more of this. Um, you know, um, I think our own profession needs to hear more of this as well. So I agree. Yeah, definitely. Just keep putting the message out there, right? How we start this conversation, it's all about education. Um, the more education that we can put out and the more conversations and discussions that we could have, uh, I think the better. And at the end of the day, you inform people and let them make their own decisions. I mean, we're all autonomous individuals, so. 100%. Really? <laughs> awesome. Leave it at that. Thank you, Matthew. And Matthew, it's been a pleasure again. Always, always. Thanks for having me. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation on Highly Functional. Before I go, I want to talk to you about my rope climb training program. In order to climb a rope efficiently and effectively, you need both strength and proper technique. If you have one without the other, it's going to be a lot more difficult to climb. You're going to use a lot more energy and you have more chance of failing. So if you want to be more efficient with your rope climbs in order to have more chance of success at your next race, pick up my rope climb training program. You can check it out at getyourfixpt.com courses, along with all my other online programs. Thanks again for tuning in today. And now it's time to go out and be highly functional.